You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. Order in the court. Order in the court. It is Monday night, 7 p.m. I'm not doing that for the rest of the show. No way. I am not doing that for the rest of the show. It's Monday night. Sure. It's 7 p.m. I know. I'm sorry, Shark. We were I'm all hoping, but that was beautiful. I am here to disappoint everybody because it's Monday night. It's 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, and it must be time for Mission Log Live. I'm Norman Lau. And I'm Charlene Schmidt. And tonight we are talking about Strange New Worlds, Episode 8, The Elysian Kingdom. So thank you all for being with us and being a part of tonight's conversation. If you want to join us, you want to call in, you know what to do. Click on the Zoom link or give us a ring. You can do the one tap thing on your smartphone or you can call us 669-900-6833. Enter the meeting code and the password you see in the show notes. I'm thinking, though, that the password really needs to be abracadabra this week. Can we make that happen? Oh, yeah. And um, shout out to, I believe it's, is it Steve Miller Band? Abracadabra. I want to oh, reach gosh. out and grab you. I don't know who does that song, but I know. So. Earwig, you're all welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Sharwell, we're waiting for everyone to line up in the Earl Green chat room. Let's see who is with us tonight in the chat. I'm calling you out, Barry Royce, because yes, what? You are the first person here. Thank you very much for being the first person, right, Jim. You are first. second. Uh, Matthew, glad to have you here. David Majors, uh, new name for me, but I'm glad you're here. John Arminio, a, a uh, classic name for me. Because I love saying the name yeah. Arminio. Uh, Jane, hi to see you. Yes. Yes, Shara. Do we, we see someone? We, saw, we, we, have, got we have a BC. We got a Paul. Yeah, oh, they're saying hi. Jessica so Lynn Verde many. is here. What? Oh, gosh. I'm so nervous now. God. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot to live up to right now. I know. Oh, pressure's on. Know. Uh, getting hotter. Differences. Norm stays drier. Is that how it goes? I don't think so. No, wait. No. Pressure getting higher. Differences. Norm and Shar stay drier. That's what happens. Hey. Yeah. Well done. And if you know that, then you're as old as I am. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Like, she's like, no, she, now I'm getting straight up trolled by the JLV. She's like, yes, be nervous. I am. So we have a lot of stuff to get through tonight, Char. We have we um, a really good episode to talk about. We also have uh, a lot of stuff that's happening on Mission Log this week. So um, give the folks a tour of what's going to be happening with all of our programming. All right, we'll do. First and foremost, we got to let you know next Monday, it's July 4th here in the States. We're going to be taking that evening off. And then Mission Log will be back July 11th with an extra long Mission Log Live wrapping up Strange New Worlds episodes 9 and 10. So you don't want to miss that. It's going to be mega. Hmm. Make sure uh, you mark your calendars for that and uh, join in the fun. Then this Thursday, your standard Mission Log podcast continues with the final episode of season one of Star Trek Voyager. I can't believe you're already there. <laughs> it's crazy, right? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so jo uh, John and Norm will be talking Learning Curve. And it's, mm -hmm. you know, that's the one that's the season finale that really wasn't meant to be a season finale, but became a season finale and doesn't feel like a season finale, but it is. All right. What do you do? Exactly. So then, elsewhere in the Roddenberry universe, of course, with Jessica Lynn Verdi here, we have to mention Mission Log The Orville. She and Captain Mike Richards are continuing their coverage with Episode 4, Gently Falling Rain, and that's going to drop on the 27th. And, of course, you can find all of the other shows and uh, like entertainment here on YouTube. Roddenberry Entertainment is the channel. You can see the live 
recordings of that. But if you prefer the audio, you can go to podcast.roddenberry.com and get the content there as well. Awesome. Thanks so much, Sharon. Yep, we have a lot going on. So we're going to jump right in, into the recap. Now, uh, Heather, unfortunately, couldn't be with us tonight, but I will give credit where credit is due. Heather wrote the recap for tonight um, before uh, she had to change plans. So I will be reading her recap that she did work so very hard on for mm-hmm. season one of episode eight of Strange New Worlds, The Elysian Kingdom, synopsis by Heather Barker, read by Sir Yours Truly. <clears throat> Do we all have to call you Sir for the rest of the night now? Um, no. Yes. Okay. No. Yes. Or is Lord. it Sire? Sorry. Ooh, sire sounds so good. It does. Let's chew so, on yeah. that. Let's see what the chat says. Let's see what the chat says. We'll see you. At okay, the end we'll of the leave recap. it up to them. Sounds right. good. As the Enterprise surveys the Genesian Nebula, a quiet sickbay gives Doctor Mabanga the opportunity to continue work finding a cure for his daughter Rikia's fatal disease. She begs him to finish reading a bedtime story before returning her to the pattern buffer, but doesn't like the ending of the book and poses the question: What if we change the ending? Mabanga reassures her she'll be able to choose the endings when she's all grown up. But first, says Rukia, she has to get better. Afterwards, we see Dr. Mabenga engrossed in the work of trying to save his daughter when that work literally blows up in his face. Number one appears to ask why a landing party hasn't been cleared for duty. After a brief update from Mabenga on his progress, she recommends he gets some rest before doing anything else. Back on the bridge, the survey of the nebula is wrapped. It's time to head out when the ship doesn't go. Spock recommends using impulse thrusters to assist, and Ortegas tries to make the ship go again before the ship jolts, and Ortegas' face plants itself into the console, knocking her out. Pike calls for the doctor, and Mabenga boards the turbo lift. There's no time for a nap now, only to disembark clothed in the robe and the crown of a king. The bridge crew is dressed similarly, and as we flash from Captain Pike and his newly parted due for a picture from Rikia's fairy tale, both Dr. Mabenga and the audience are left asking... What the hell? A <laughs> now unbruised Ortegas is identified as Sir Adya, a character from Rukia's fairy tale. Mabanga is sure this is a joke, but Pike, now Sir Ralph, encourages King Ridley to have a seat while Sir Adya and he argue over the safety of the king's refreshments. Mabanga questions the computer, concludes that he's hallucinating, and heads to find a tricorder. Mabanga finds sickbay transformed, dense with foliage and fireflies, and occupied by one Christine Chapel, who welcomes the doctor to her sanctuary. He scans himself and then Chapel to find the dopamine levels of them both highly elevated. When Sir Adya enters and announces Princess Thalia, Queen Nevi has invaded her kingdom, seeking the Mercury Stone, which King Ridley surely has. Has? Has? Sir Adya is ready to lead the charge when the Crimson Guard enters with a captured hammer, or to them, Castor the Wizard, who is seemingly unaffected by whatever's happening on the ship. King Ridley tries to free him, but the guard relents, citing Queen Nevi's refusal to accept the letter of accords, and Hammer is dragged away. Sir Adia requests to use the Mercury Stone, and Dr. Mabeng, I mean King Ridley, confesses he doesn't have it, but he knows who does, and they have to save him. It's Hammer, or rather, Castor the Wizard. Ralph, Sir Adia, Princess Thalia, and King Ridley plan to rescue the wizard. Thalia and her dog Runa are told to stay back as she rewards the decision with a song! As our motley crew travels the viney corridors, they're surprised by Pollux, the wizard who King Ridley reveals is Castor's brother. Castor and Pollux, very clever. He offers to free Castor in return for Pollux's help. After a brief journey through the Jeffreys tubes, the crew finds themselves directly before Queen Nevi, who sends them to the dungeon where they can't produce the stone. 
In the dungeon, Mabanka finds Hammer and explains the connection between the crew and Rukia's storybook characters. Hammer admits to sensing a presence from the nebula that seemed to be pulling the story from Mabanka's mind. The two decide to break free to access the scanner array for more info. Thankfully, Hammer decides to break free to access the scanner. Oh, sorry. Thankfully, Hammer got the magic of the science in his pocket and engineering tool sets them free. I can't read. Queen Nevi is a rage is enraged by their escape. She asks Pollux to escort the Crimson Guard to recapture Mabenga and the rest. A confrontation occurs in the corridors, and we see Sir Adia's sword swinging skills on display. Adia is overwhelmed by the guards when an arrow finds its way into one of them. Number one appears as the Huntress Zamira, and the guards scatter. In engineering, Hammer deduces that the consciousness he sensed in the nebula may be spontaneously generated one known as a Boltzmann's brain, who didn't Google that when they actually read uh, Saw that. I did. Did you Google that? I didn't. But why a storybook scenario? Mabanga suddenly realizes that the story's off kilter. Zamira and Sir Adia don't know each other in the book. It was Rukia's wish that the two know each other very well, it seems. The Boltzmann brain is reading Rukia's mind, not the doctor's. Rukia is the memory stone, but she's no longer the buffer pattern in sickbay. The computer won't say where she is, and Pollux rushes to tell the queen. Sir Ralph is again captured and swears loyalty to the queen in order to save himself. Mabanga recalls Rukia's wish to see his quarters and is confronted by the queen on his way. He warns, he wants her not to touch his daughter and Hammer bravely steps in to lend the power of his magic. And then abracadabra, he beams them all to Cargo Bay 12. In his quarters, Rukia greets her father clad in the most gorgeous dress reminiscent of the posters for Star Trek Beyond. She tells her father that her friend made her better. With the help of Hammer's telepathy, the being explains his connection to Rukia. Ultimately, the entity will protect her at all costs. Mabenga is left to decide whether to save Rukia or the crew. He gives Rukia agency to make the decision, and she chooses to stay with the entity. Suddenly, a light, a light being enters the room, envelops, and disappears with Rukia. After a moment, Rukia has returned as an adult woman with great thanks to her father for setting her free. She's been adventuring with her friend Deborah, who she's named after her mom. She reassures her father he did the right thing and needs to live for himself, which he does before Rukia disappears and Hemmer awakes, head pounding. Neither Hammer nor the rest of the crew remembers the encounter, only a blank five-hour window. Number one enters sickbay to inquire after Rukia and the doctor, and the doctor confines that he knows what happened as she settles in to hear the story. The end. Thank you, Very Heather, nice. for that amazing recap that I severely butchered, but that's what I do here on Mission Log Live. <laughs> Tell me something oh. to read, and I can guarantee you that I will ruin it unless it's my own, which I will read absolutely perfectly because that's what I do with my own material. So, you know. Norm, you did not butcher it. That was very good from both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, before we get into the callers, because we do have a few lined up, uh, one of the things, Shar, that we love doing um, at the at the beginning of at least our recaps is we like looking at the morals, meanings, and messages of... Um, kind of like what what came to the surface in this episode so i'd love to hear like what you know what resonated with you i know that you and i have um as as we are wont to do we have kind of like uh chat backs and forths and i, I know that this was an important episode for you as it was for i know a lot of people so let's start with you yes okay so this episode is such a fun romp that sometimes <laughs> it's until the very end, you're not really thinking about the morals, messages, and meanings. At least I wasn't the first time I was watching this, but really tied together at the end. The, what I got out of it is it's this trifecta of loneliness, right? And coping with mm-hmm. it. So you have the consciousness and Rakia coming together and f- having fun, weaving stories and 
she's breaking out of her isolation, Rakia is, but also the consciousness, I suppose, because both are lonely. So that is their loneliness being alleviated. But also Mabenga, he is alone, lonely, in pain, desperately searching for something that will cure his daughter at the start. And this is all about him letting go of that loneliness so that his daughter can let go of her loneliness, but as well as her body. It's a really interesting resolution because it's actually, it's very happy and satisfying. You know, she gets to be alive and safe. She's not going to die. The only sacrifice he has to make is she's not in going to be close physical proximity to him at all times. Now it does sound though, like she might be coming back at some point in the future. And I hope that happens. I would love to see what she's been up to sometime in the future. So loneliness was the big theme I got out of it. And Mm. I know that you went deep because I I saw your notes. (laughs) 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 But also, I have to point out, I'm not a parent. But if I were a parent, I have to imagine that this episode hit really hard thinking about either when you're going to have to let go of your children when they leave the nest or if you've had to let go of a child for whatever reason. Uh, I can just imagine that was right there for you. And after all this fun, it's going to have an emotional impact. That's a really interesting balance this episode of Strange New Worlds made. I really like how you you phrased it as being like this this trifecta of loneliness because I I saw that you know very similarly and you know there's a choice that Dr. Mabenga had to make you know is probably the most impossible of choices you know and I think that there is this interesting concept that was being kind of like brought to bear at the very end um, from what can be easily considered as a somewhat you know lighthearted you know comedic episode at times but we're actually you know at the very end it it, it ends up in this wonderful culmination and study of uh, something that's a little bit more ethereal esoteric you know it's the it's what is the the construct of human existence and and how do we explain that and how what we understand of ourselves are anchored in certain terminologies that are just very finite right so you know basically there's mortal pain and suffering and then there's the release of that and the release of that energy into whatever spiritual understanding that either we believe in or can't be explained maybe at the end of this episode we saw an example of both. Maybe Dr. Mabenga, who's a man of science, could not see the actual cure for his daughter is letting her go. You know, there, there has to be a chemical or an agent, you know, or a technology to cure her. But maybe the cure is letting her become what she's supposed to become, right? More than he could have ever hoped. Uh, this is the mortal challenge that we have, the mortal challenge in understanding that we don't understand, right? Um, I'm going to cross a couple of uh, fandoms here. So in the Empire Strikes Back, Yoda points his little stick at Luke and he said, you know, the force is this luminous energy, not this crude matter of our mortality, right? Is that what Dr. Mabanga is afraid to let go of? The crude matter so that his daughter can become this luminous energy. There's also a wonderful quote from one of our favorite fandoms, Char Babylon 5. Ambassador Delenn mm-hmm. says to John Sheridan, we believe that the universe itself is conscious in a way that we can never truly understand. It is engaged in a search for meaning, so it breaks itself apart, investing its own consciousness in every form of life. We are the universe trying to understand itself. So 
we are this, you know, this embodiment of the universe trapped inside the mortal shell. And all we know is the understanding, the finiteness of this mortal shell. What happens when that's let go? We don't know because we haven't been able to record, put a finite definition, a finite limitation on that understanding. Right. So unless we can do that, unless we can codify and categorize something, it's unexplained and therefore terrifying to many of us. But in the end, though, isn't that what we are, though? Aren't we just a consciousness defined by so many different belief systems? And I think that that's where what we're trying to struggle with, you know, at the very end here. Is just, yeah, what are we? Mm -hmm. What is, what even is life? Is it body and soul? Can we just become consciousness? What happens? We do not know. Right. So uh, before we jump in, I wanted to get to like one of you has some really fantastic notes. I want to make sure that you get to some of the highlight points here. Maybe that will spark some discussion like with our callers. So what are some of the really big highlights that you want to talk about or wanted to bring up? Oh, big heads. How about them costumes? Right. Okay. Oh my goodness, these costumes. I would like yeah. to know from the wardrobe department, how many hours did they sink into these things? Because they are all so elaborate and they are beautiful. And not, not to uh, say that the set dressing wasn't great either, but man, those costumes. Whew. Yeah, I, I can just, I can feel just all of the energy and the cosplayers out there just like, putting it all together for <laughs> the 56 so year mission. Now. Right. Oh, also speaking of costumes though, did you notice that on Ralph's or Captain Pike's, his tunic, his, bro- his brooch was basically the upside down star of command. Oh no, I did not catch that. Nice. Yeah. So I was like, <laughs> um, I thought that That's was really catch. cool. I love, so Arthur C. Clarke, um, famous author and science fiction author, he has three laws. And his third law is any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. That's Hemmer in this entire episode, <laughs> yes. right? He's like, I'm a wizard, but I have this technology that looks like magic because I'm a wizard because I'm not. There, right? Yeah, yeah, for real. And that's done, that's used so brilliantly in this episode. And for as much as I love everybody hamming it up and playing you're doing things that they could not do that would be in character for their actual characters. Hammer is my favorite. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> I love Anson Mount playing this cowardly little man, but Abracadabra just, I was rolling out of my chair. I just loved it. It was so over the top. <laughs> I'm going to reach out and grab you. All right. Speaking of reaching out and grabbing, Char, one more point, and then we're going to reach out and grab one of the callers. Okay. One more point from me, or you got a point? From you. I have many points, Mm. but my point is to have you talk about a point. Okay. Well, I'm torn between two. I'll just make quick mention of Christina Chong's dog as Princess Runa. Adorbs. That cake. Yes. But also Jeffrey's two porn. Right. How beautiful was that shot? I love the Jeffrey's tube in this show. It's so good. And it's like, it's like, it's almost a part, like a side character almost because they're really featuring this thing in all of its beautiful retro goodness i know it is just mm, yeah they really know how to work that jeffrey's tube it's so good all right so we're going to jump in with chris our first caller and i got one question for you chris before uh, you jump into any of uh, any of your comments did you have to look up a boltzmann brain in google i i thought about it and then the moment passed and i was like no <laughs> Like, Like, that seems like something that is like, I'm sure I'd get an interesting Google, 
but but the moment passed. I'm like, that seems plausible. That sounds sciencey. Kind of Ghostbusters vibe a little bit. But there we'll you go. Mm-hmm. All right, all right, all right. Um, what'd you think? Uh, did you? Is this show like? I know there are a lot of people out there that are saying they're starting to kind of again codify like um, their their favorites. They're not favorites. I can let this one slide by. This is at the top of my list. Where is this? Now we're in eight episodes. So where is this kind of falling for you in those eight? It's probably somewhere in the middle. I mean, it's fun. Anytime when you can tell the actors are having fun, I think is always a good episode. Anton and Melissa were obviously just having a great time. Um, but yeah, it's fun. I, I'm not always sold on the campy stuff, but they're always a good time to watch. Um, I really like Babs and all the work he's been doing at Mbenga. So it's nice to get him sort of out front and center this week. My thing was not so much a quibble as maybe a question going back to your sort of like ethereal body, soul, whatever. My reaction was, did we need to see Rukia come back as an adult, especially like so quickly? Like, cause for me, that was a lot of emotional whiplash is, oh, the sacrifice, nice, good emotional beat. And I'm still processing that. And she shows back up and it's like, happy ending. We're good. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that's, that's, there's a lot of directions you're pulling me in show. I don't know. That's a really good question. And I've seen folks give different answers to it, all very valid. I think for the parents in the audience, they're glad that we got that I'm okay moment. It's a relief. It's like, okay, thank goodness. But I think there is definitely a valid, like, could we not have waited just a little bit kind of a thing just to leave it hanging as a thread? But then we don't really know what they're doing for season two. So maybe in hindsight, it won't seem so rushed. That's my thought. I mean, those good question, Chris. And and I was thinking about that myself. Um, Carol and I watched it, you know, uh, you know, was it Thursday, Friday? And she said, uh, you think that was a little too soon? And I had to process that a little bit because, you know, with when you only have like a finite amount of episodes, you know, Shar and I were talking about this earlier. When you have a finite amount of episodes, sometimes you really do need kind of like the fattiness, the intern connective tissue of uh, a more elongated series in order to build up these earned moments. I'm not saying that the moment isn't earned, but at the same time, I actually did like that she came back because what that showed us was Mabanga's our understanding of what is happening to her in our linear time where she had this incredible adventure in the span of seconds, right? To us. So yeah. now you're dealing with taking ourselves out of kind of like the the linear time frame point of view and like reintroducing us to this whole wibbly wobbly timey wimey temporal um mechanic of what's happening in star trek from a timeline that we can't see so yeah i think that on one side it could be like you know let the moment breathe but on the on the other side of the equation i thought it was kind of cool that she said look dad i'm okay i'm older but i also did all of this stuff because you let me go Right. And then named her friend after her mom. So it was interesting. And maybe that'll come back later on. It was almost kind of like she became our own version, this series version of a traveler in a way. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I do wonder, like, if and when she does come back, are we going to have some sort of traveler esque sort of adventure? Or is she at least going to talk about some of the things that she does? Is there, is she going to potentially be in this traveler spinoff? with Wesley and Corey from Picard. And then like, are we going to have a massive crossover at some point? Cause they're all kind of on this ethereal plane now. 
Well, see, see, I was saying in the Discord that with Wesley and then you have Corey and Rakia, uh, we are 75% of the way to a Charlie's Angels traveler show. We have Charlie and two angels. So Nice, someone, yeah. Right? Oh, there we go. You hear that, Alan? Chris is just upping you right there <laughs> on the puns. Um, and I'm sure Alan's going to steal all of it, but why not? I would too. You know, it's a, it's an interesting thing that happened there. And I think that, um, I mean, I also had a little bit of kind of like Jake and, and, and Cisco in the visitor, you know, in this storyline. Oh, sure. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, obviously the entire storyline, I don't think that it was as emotionally impactful. Uh, I, I'm, I'm very personally connected to the visitor for things that happened in my life. But at the same time, though, I do really like that she, as an older person said, you know, an older woman said, I'm okay. You let me go and I'm still okay, right? I may not be flesh and blood okay. And I know you didn't get a chance to see me grow up, but maybe you will in the way that I can, you know, help you understand what I've done, where I've been, you know, down the road sometime, you know? So I I don't know. It's um, tough, you know, and and, and emotional episodes do that. You know, they, they strike everyone differently. They make you, you know, kind of like question, uh, you know, whether or not I was ready for this and an emotional beat. Um, it'll be interesting to see how people feel about it, uh, how parents feel about it. You know, when, you know, someone, a, a parent calls in and lets us know, or lets us know in the discord, um, that's, that's the, the, the loveliness, you know, about something that hits you with such a moral question. Uh, so that's, you know, we don't really have all the answers for all this stuff. It's pretty much, uh, mm-hmm. this is, this is kind of new. Um, what else you got for us, Chris? Well, just sort of looking at sort of like the the composition of the season as a whole, um, I noted that this weekend we had the two like fun, campy episodes back to back with the pirate one last week and then the Ren Fair one this week. And that just makes me think that nine and ten are going to be real intense. <laughs> like we used up all our fun time. Here we are, last two hours, all cylinders firing. Like, whoo. I mean, they, they could be, sure. I mean, like, um, does like our Star Trek always have to have kind of like this galactic ending serialized story to it? You know, is this <laughs> are, are are the reactions that we're having sometimes with some of these later episodes when we really think about it? Why can't they be later episodes? You know, I mean, you look at an episode like this and I love, Chris, how you say it's the Ren Faire episode because now it's like I go all the way to like lower decks with Billups and, you know, his people and, you know, the yes. Ren Faire ship. But, you know, I mean, they're, you're, they're your shore leaves in TOS. You know, they're your cupids in TNG. You know, there are, uh, I don't know DS9 as well. So I'm sure that there, oh, there's Magnificent Ferengi. I remember, you know, that was a fun episode. Sure. You know, there are those moments of levity. Uh, but they also have really good stories and morals to them as well. So not every series has to be heavy, you know? Yeah. And I think the and- tone is, it's okay if the tone's light. And for the live action series, I think building up to a finale, I'm sure it will be intense, but at the same time, I don't think this show is going to sacrifice humor for extra plot points to raise the intensity of the story, whatever this might be, what we're, you know, going to end on the season. So maybe it's going to break that mold. Like, I think we got so used to that with Discovery and Picard that we're expecting it out of Strange New Worlds, but. I'm kind of hoping that we don't. Yeah. 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 As long as the story is good, it doesn't necessarily have to take one tone or another, as long as the story is good. And it right. Makes sense. Yeah. Right. And this show has been very good about balancing so much stuff, including kind of like the campy romp TOS vibe, which I'm so glad they're doing. 
you know, this episode is a prime example of how that can work. Yeah. And I mean, this, this show is obviously like really projecting its love for TOS, especially with the Jeffries tubes. Right? <laughs> yes, definitely. I mean, those Jeffries tubes are like, if they're spot on, they're like, they're so spot on. They are like, they are right on the fence of being maybe a little two sixties. Just, just almost there, almost there. Um, before I let you go, Chris, anything else? Uh, no, I mean, this has been a really good season. Excited to go or see where it goes. Uh, fingers crossed for more Jeffrey's Tube, Tube content in the final two. There we go. Heck yeah. That's, yeah, that's going to be on some kind of watching bingo card. That's for sure. Jeffrey's Tube bingo. You know, got to have that. Uh, Chris, great to see you. Thanks for calling in. I uh, appreciate it. All right. Take Live care. Long. Uh, so right before um, we get into our next caller, we're going to jump into talking about Patreon and Discord a little bit. So, Shar, you spent right. some time on Patreon and Discord. How's your uh, How's your experience been there so far? Terrible? Really freaking good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as the months have gone on since I joined the Mission Log Discord, I'm spending more and more time there because it's a really good group of people. We have a good time. We talk about everything. And if you've heard us talk about it, you already know this, but just to recap, in case it's your first time here, welcome. Join the Discord because there's even more fun there. We, we've we got everything. We have really serious and deep discussions about all of the Star Trek stuff, Orville stuff, any kind of sci-fi, really. We've got threads galore. And, and on top of that, we've got the cats. We've got food and drink. Uh what am I forgetting? I love how the cast like reach the top of your list before food and drink, you know? So, well, of course they do. I know your order is a little different, (laughs) but that's where my mind goes. (laughs) So yeah, we, you know, we're coming up on, I think uh, it's going to be our one year anniversary soon, at least for discord Patreon for mission log has been around for a while. But one of the things that we wanted to do was create a Haven, you know, for a lot of, uh, listeners um, who have been separated by COVID. So we started talking about this in, in 2020. And then we started doing a little bit more with the fan community with Zoom calls and uh, things of that nature. But we found that we were getting this really wonderful rhythm with fans calling in and wanting to participate in more live discussions. So we started the Discord program off of Patreon. And for as little as a dollar a month for your subscription, you can get access to this wide variety and this huge community of people talking about all different types of topics. And it's really just been um, it's, it's been wonderful to watch and see grow. So if you would like to check us out, please visit patreon.com slash mission log. Take a look at the different tier structures that we have and then be part of our community. We'd love to have you there. And uh, and um, especially with the tribulations where we post pictures of our cats. Yes. With action figures. With action figures. That, that's Dom's specialty. And yes. uh, with Epicureanism where we post pictures of food. So it's cats and food and then everything else. Really, you know, <laughs> if we took, if, if we actually had to pie chart it, it would be like that. Um, and then we would actually make an actual pie of a pie chart and put that on Discord right oh, underneath. And the then cat. post it in the Epicureanism thread because pie. Exactly. So you see the logic. Logic dictates what we do there. <laughs> uh, please again visit us at patreon.com/slash mission law. Join us. So here we are. We're going to jump into our next call. This show. We have Brandon waiting, and it uh, looks like he's on the Cerritos. Yeah, he sure I'm is. Waiting for everyone else to catch up. Uh, on buffer time, but uh, yeah, it looks like nobody's there. You're early. But I wouldn't worry though. I wouldn't wait for them. Just get started with them margaritas. I don't see any that hot bananas like either. The bananas are not at no all. No hot bananas. No. no, I was yeah. a little disappointed. You get used to them after a while. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what's on your mind there, Brandon? Uh, what did you think about this episode? 
I thought it was fantastic. And you guys talking about the Jeffrey's tubes just actually made me think the, the lights have made me start to wonder, are they one way? Would you start to feel a little guilty if you were going in the opposite direction of the lights that are always moving in one direction? Oh, maybe. Ooh, be like, yeah. Ooh. good call. Unless yeah. you re- reverse the polarity and then you would go in the other direction. So. Maybe you have to push a button to let people know. I oh, bet you, uh, I, I bet you that no traffic jam, right? Right. I bet you yeah. Chapel would be up there flipping switches and just messing with people's heads, oh, well, especially Spock's. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you do to prank people on the Enterprise. Mr. Spock oh, to the yeah. Jeffries tube. Which way? I don't know which way I'm going. It's illogical. The light should be going one way, but they're not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody was having fun in this episode. Uh, I mean, Anson Mount was living his best life throughout the entire thing. Um, I, I really feel like the first thing that the director said on set was everyone have fun. Anson eat the whole thing, the whole set, just eat it. And Mm -hmm. he did. And he did. And it was spectacular. Every moment was lovable, uh, that he was on screen. Um, I do. So, okay. I'm, I'm going to apologize in advance as I kind of bring the tone down a little bit and talk about the sad part. And a lot of people are like, I'm not going to talk about the sad stuff, but, um, Sort of in reverse chronological order, you guys were talking a little bit ago um, about the idea of of Rukia coming back and uh, coming back so quickly, but also just coming back in general and knowing what happens next. Um, and it kind of reminded me of a show I watched a long time ago um, that really dealt with you know topics of death called Dead Like Me. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. there's a great line in the pilot where the two characters are talking about the tragedy of a child passing early. And one says, she's just a little girl. She can't die. It's cruel. And her wise mentor tells her, it is cruel. It's cruel that she won't know what life's really like. It's cruel that she'll miss out on so much love and pain and beauty. And that's sad for everyone in the world except her. She won't give a damn because she'll be doing something different. Mm-hmm. And True. I thought... That is just like right here. That's what they're showing us is, is how, uh, how just tragic this is, but she's off doing something else. And maybe that's meant to reassure us a little bit and help us think about the loss of, of loved ones through that lens. Um, I mean, that's a great point to make. And I think that with her coming back again, we're looking at it, Mabenga's looking at it, and we're looking at it from his point of view of what has affected her in linear time, in our right. linear time. And we can't comprehend like the, the amount of freedom that this energy of hers has been able to, um, to be able to uh, connect with a, com- a completely different you know, uh, dimension of, from our own understanding. And what I find so fascinating about that is that that is at the very core of what I believe Star Trek is. It's about trying to understand that which can't be codified you know, or labeled or dissected or defined, right? She becomes something else. It's like Ilea and Decker at the end of the motion picture. They both technically die, but they become something else. And we don't know what that is, how that is, or why that is, but that's the point, isn't it? And we've all defined that. And uh, I don't mean to, I don't mean to speak out of turn. I don't mean to insult anyone's belief system, but belief systems put a definition on what we don't understand. That's faith. Faith allows us to believe in the unbelievable, right? That's why miracles happen. Miracles are unbelievable unless we actually put an actual definition on what can be constrained in that belief system as something that can't be. So, 
being able to try and free our minds from it matrix style, that's something that we can't do. That's something that we can't comprehend. And going back to what you said about Dead Like Me, which is a great series, we don't know what happened to the consciousness or the spirit, the spirit or the energy of that little girl. She or the being of she could have gone off and done something. She could have like moved mountains. She could have changed galaxies. You know, she could have changed the course of the cosmos with a shift in her energy. We don't know that. We'll never know that. But maybe that's what Rukia will be able to show us or, or at least explain to her father. With your sacrifice, I was able to change the course of destiny itself, right? Right. How did we come to terms with that, though? Right. Well, I, I was thinking that the reverse chronological order part of this for me is what I was thinking just before that moment. Um, and actually, until I rewatched it, um, I was thinking, man, I, I really I wanted to see more development of Mabenga's difficulty with the decision to let Rukia go. And then the second time I watched it, I thought, unless is that the message here that when it comes to choosing between fighting a constant battle to prolong an unfulfilling life or letting somebody go on. Maybe it's not a difficult choice. We have to let them go. And maybe in that moment, Mabenga realized I'm not going to find a cure before she's out of time. Cause he's telling us at the beginning of the episode, we're down to days. We're down to months, maybe days. Um, and he just can't keep it going. And he realizes maybe very quickly. And, and, and as somebody who had to say goodbye to a loved one recently, I've, I found myself thinking, you know, maybe it's not that they're about to run out of time for the episode. It's not because we're at 37 minutes, but it's because when you come down to it, sometimes they're just, it's, it's not much of a choice. Well said. Yeah. But thank I you think for sharing you are that. Yes. On that. Yeah. There, there's um, a fandom that I, that is near and dear to my heart, uh, Highlander. And Highlander is a fandom that, you know, of course, there are swords in there, which is fun. Uh, you know, there are lightning uh, effects, which are fun. Uh, there are explosions, which are fun. But at the very core of Highlander is the study of immortality and what does that mean? And it's, it's an interesting study of people who live forever having to say goodbye to mortal beings who they'll never be able to recapture, you know, that connection. Like, how do you fall in love with someone when you know that person is going to eventually die? You're going to outlive them. You're going to outlive tens of them, hundreds of them, right? So it doesn't matter how long you live. It matters how you live in that moment, how you live your life in the, the finite time that we have. And I think that Mabenga understood that as a doctor, he should know that more than anyone else. And as a doctor, there may be no answer. And the one answer that eluded him this entire time was obviously the hardest, but it was the answer Right. So how it, it's an under, it's a really um, kind of like an interesting study on what we decide as humans to be the right decision or the wrong decision, because it most of the time it's a reflection of how we feel, how we react, as opposed to allowing it, whatever it is to unfold as it should, whatever it is. Again, we don't know. We can't, you know, we can't uh, see the future. We can't see the signs importance. That's for you, Shar. We can't see the signed importance <laughs> for the future. I mean, I'm, that's just my particular, you know, understanding of, you know, the finiteness of mortality. Shar, I mean, you, you know, we've talked about this before. Yeah. Let me jump in here. I don't think it's so much about the 
right decision or the wrong decision. I think it is the best decision he could make in the best interests of his daughter. She can go off to this place where she's no longer physically ill. She's going to be fine. And despite his best efforts, he can't have it all. He can't have her and cure her disease in time so she can live a happy and wonderful you know, childhood. So you can, I think, see in the moment where the character of Mabenga comes to that realization. And that is just like really good acting, in my opinion, mm-hmm. where he realizes that and knows what he has to do. And then, uh, like you were saying, Brandon, then the choice is so much easier. Yeah. And then that's when he really starts to to let it go. Now, I think maybe going forward, though, it would be interesting to to not completely let this off the hook entirely. Let's explore a little bit of Mbega's loneliness without his daughter. What is life like? How is he coping? What is he doing? I do hope there's some follow up. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I find myself hoping that as well. And I, I think what you were just saying was really great because you know, we know that these are fantastic actors and there's not like, you know, he's not missing out on this being a a difficult decision, but there's that sort of moment where there's that simultaneous like grief and peace that I, I know, I know what this has to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think anybody um, who's lost anybody in, in a situation where you know they're going to die and then you just don't know how long it's going to be from now to that moment, you're there. You know what mm-hmm. that's like. Yeah. Um, we have to let you go, Brandon, because we have a couple more calls we need to get to, but I'd love to have like a parting thought from you. Yeah. Um, I wanted to try and bring it up just a little bit, um, with my, my favorite line, which was we'll try diplomacy. And if that doesn't work, then you can cut something in half. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great line. Yeah. That's that was fantastic. Great. Thanks guys. All right. Thanks, Brandon. Oh, thanks thank for you, calling Brandon. in. Appreciate you for being here. Take care. All right. And now... Bringing up the room big time. You know, we were just the warm up back. Now we have, uh, you know, we have now the main, main stage. Course. We have the main stage here. Hear ye, hear ye. Order. <laughs> Everyone's coming to order. We have Sir Paul Harvest. I sound so, so like New England. It's like Harvest. It's Harvest. Harvest. It's, 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 hun- <laughs> it's Hungarian. I don't know if they. How you can say that with a Boston accent, but go. hey, nice try. Yeah. Oh, Brandon's call was amazing. What great observations. Um, mm-hmm. Just amazing stuff. I, stuff. I, I'm going to a different direction here. Um, first of all, I got to give this episode the biggest shout out for recognizing the fans and what they do with fan fiction, right? Right out of the gate, they allow, he allows Rakia to write whatever she wants with the characters. And to me, that's just like an homage to the, the fans and all that stuff they've been doing since Kirk Spock way, way back when. It's okay. It's okay. How great. You literally have Spollocks, like Spollocks in this episode. Spollocks. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's cool. So many Spock and other name combinations in this series. And it's only season one. <laughs> so here's the pressing question. Who is the court jester? Ooh. Oh, it's got to be Kyle. Oh, great call. It's yeah, it's got to be. I agree 100%, Char. That's, He's so that's mean. <laughs> He's so mean. It's got to be Kyle. <laughs> if, and now I'm just really sad that we didn't get to see that. He hasn't been in the last couple of episodes, and I miss him. We have to, we have to do a write-in, bring in Kyle more, right? I think that, that's... So, oh, you know so. what? You know what's going to go in my fanfic is we're going to I'm going to write Court Jester Kyle. 
Court Jester Kyle. There you go. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. It could be its own, its own entity, right? Its own, its own uh, subtitle. So how amazing. And I didn't realize this in Chicago, um, Michelle and I actually got to see this dress. Um, the Princess Talia, when she walks in. Laon's dress? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. You just go, yeah, well, that's perfect. She's straight out of Shakespeare. She's got the accent. She's got the dog. And then the dog is so in love with her. Oh, mm-hmm. my word. And then we find out that the dog is actually hers. Um, yeah. And when you watch the ready room, uh, just just amazing stuff. I mean, can we say enough about the costuming here? I mean, I can't wait. I, I, I can't wait to see these live. Like, I know people, again, are, are, are going to be working on them. And if you are part of our Discord, I did a deep dive on exactly what sword you can buy. That's exactly the sword that Sir Ardia is. Did I say that right? Is wearing or i should just say ortegas is wearing adia yeah i keep thinking aria but it's adia um yeah that's right you did and if anybody knows about swords it's you norm oh i did the whole like leonardo dicaprio uh, gif i was like i know that (laughs) that (laughs) nice okay so paul i gotta ask you a question ashara same question listener same question who made the most out of the role reversal of their character in the story who do you think like had like the biggest impact of the material that they were given? Well, I have yeah. that answer. To me, it's it's straight up for me. All right. Okay. Who is it, Paul? To me, it's the captain. How yeah. how one eighty? How one eighty can you be? You know, from being the leader to the coward, right? And and you got to give everybody else props, but you can see them playing dress up like that or doing that in the holodeck. I can't see Anson not doing this in the holodeck. Right. That's true. It's like Anson Mount watched everybody doing their thing and he's he did that hold my beer and then really showed everybody how it's done. It's like he was teaching everybody, we'll show you over the top. You see, I mean, that's I was, what it looked like. I was there with you on that until uh Princess Talia started singing. When someone starts singing, I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's a hold my beer moment. It's like that's nice, Anson. Let's start singing. And I'm sure that he would probably start singing too. But again, he probably did. You knew you know, we did. They're they're so fun. They were so amazing. I mean, like <laughs> that's that's the kind of job where you're like, you know what? That's not even working anymore, right? That's just right. showing up and just living your best life. Yeah, that was, yeah. Also, the, Melissa Navia uh, Aja's reaction to the singing that oh, yeah. that was perfect. <laughs> You're not sure she liked it or was cringing, right? It's like genuinely surprised. I think is, yeah. What is going on? Uh, it was. I like didn't surreal. know she could do this. I mean, we know that Laon didn't go to music class, so she's not half bad. Um, she's a, yeah. I, I can't wait to meet her as, 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 as you know in person. I, I just so enthralled with both her and um, uh, Nurse Chaparral. And a sideline, my wife found out is that Nurse Chaparral actually made some of the jewelry she was wearing. She um, oh, does oh, jewelry really? around um, bees that have passed away from hives. And oh, if you, right. she, she found that somewhere. Uh, this, this woman is really an intriguing young lady. Um, and another one I can't wait to meet on the con circuit. So I got two last things before we get to, um, you know, our finale of the evening. Anchorman. Um, All right. We have uh, the quote that, you know, we, we, just have to go with maybe I can get us out of here with the help of a powerful magic called science. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. It's just like, yeah. okay, we, I love that. Mm-hmm. And then finally, um, I think we've come up with, you know, one of the mission log bingo things that we have to do, you know, in order to win mission log bingo or to be into the mission log bingo club, mm-hmm. you have to cosplay as one of these people. And my question to you two is, who would you cosplay as in this episode? Ooh. Princess Talia. You would? I, I well I yeah I got to work out a little bit but you don't uh, want I'll the bring sword? I'll bring, you want the sword, I'll bring a bunny instead of a dog um I, well <laughs> that's the other thing is like I that's that's such a go to right so maybe maybe since we didn't see him I'll do court jester Kyle oh hey perfect right then you can do whatever you want do you see what I'm saying hey, yeah that's pretty smart Norm yeah. <laughs> I like it all right well what about you Shar. Well, if I had any expertise at making costumes and any handiness whatsoever in that aspect, I would go for Rukaya's costume. The strange, not the strange jewels, uh, Star Trek Beyond dress. Yeah, it's beautiful. That It's gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'd go for that. All right, Paul. And All right. you, sir? Pa- oh, sir Paul? I have to answer the question. No, no, I'm making the rules here. Uh, All right. I'd, I'd, <laughs> no, I would definitely, you know, I've been told more than once that... Um, I could, I could, yeah, I'm quote unquote an entertainer. Thus, I, I've got to do the Anson Mount character, right? You just you have go. to. You got to go over the <laughs> top and just, just roll with it and let people, you know, throw their tomatoes or whatever, but just have fun doing it. And then, what other character? I, I, you know, it, it's, it's got to be, that's got to be the fun, fun character to play, right? I'll tell you what, though, when, um, you know, when Rebecca came out as the Huntress character, I'm like, okay, here we go. This is like, there's, with, with that character and with Ortega's character, this is like, now we're entering kind of like Aragorn Arwen, you know, territory here, you know, with elves and rangers. Cause she was yeah. like, cause Ar- Ar- Arya, Ardia, Ar- am I saying Arya. this one? Arya. Or Adya? Adya. Adya was wearing <laughs> a ranger's sword. She was literally wearing Aragorn's sword. Right. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. Yeah. We're, you know, we're going to. Okay. Can we're I change my that, answer slightly? No, we're yeah. giving that one to Michelle. That way she can shoot arrows at me. <laughs> I, I didn't say it. I didn't say it. <laughs> Michelle, that's all on Paul. Whatever happens, that's, you know, you want okay, his sure. collection. That you can okay. So. Costume wise, I, I would love to wear that dress. It's gorgeous. But character wise, I think I have to go for Hammer. I want to be a wizard. Yeah. Yep. Hammer's good, too. Right. Okay. We've got our answers and we're going to be in Vegas. So. Hey, you know, let's let's get that uh, mission log bingo, you know, get it rolling. <laughs> Michelle, the big yes with many exclamation points. And I think those are exclamation points from the shapes of arrows. That's just that's, how I'm reading. There you go. That's, that's the hook for Paul that to is. leave. Oh, so, so funny. Live long job, and prosper Michelle. all. What all right, a tremendous, tremendous night. Thank all you. Right. Bye-bye. Thanks, Paul. All right. Wrapping up our show, we have Sir Alan. What's happening? Hello, sir. sir. Hi, Norm. Hi, Char. How, how's everything going for you guys tonight? So what's going on with your background there? Can I explain that a little bit? Uh, well, uh, this is the, the USS Riverside, because this weekend I was in Trekfest, baby. Yeah. 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 Nice. Yeah, in a nutshell, how did it go? Uh, well, it was very fun. Um, it was uh, super hot, so I only stayed for like half the day. But I mean, you know, it's the way that I like to think of it is it's like everybody's hometown has their thing. Uh, I I come from a town where their their festival was called September Fest, 
happens over Labor Day. Uh, you know, there's your squash festivals, your, uh, you know, s- steamboat days, whatever your town has, it's that. But with like a nice Star Trek overlay. And it's super fun. All because, you know, 37 years ago, you know, you know, some uh, ingenious Iowan was like, you know, they say that Kirk is from here. What if he was from here? <laughs> and the legend nice. is born. And uh, and this year they had Bob and JG come out and do do their thing. Uh, they were in costume for the parade and for the uh, mm-hmm. for the photo op immediately afterwards. And boy, you know, mad props to those guys because. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, the Rio or a town that could fit inside the Rio Hotel. They go all out. Yeah. That's super cool. They love their yeah. fans, that's for sure. That Absolutely, is for yeah. Sure. Well, I'm glad you had a great time there. And uh, I was just, um, you know, we saw a great picture of you. So is that a, what is the, on your, what was on your t-shirt, you know, that oh. you were wearing? Oh, the T-shirt is the Enterprise, I think, being built because, at least in the uh, the Kelvin timeline, that's that's where it happened. Uh, uh, you can kind of see there's like, you know. Oh, okay. Oh, 47. 47. You got a, nice. You got, you got your 47 there. And, uh, um, and then the boys themselves are on there as well. Very cool. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. But yeah, the, yeah, the, 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 yeah, everything went. Everything went super well. <laughs> nice, but you mentioned so, it was it was really hot. So was this outdoors? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, this is like I said, it's very much you know inflatables and uh, sand volleyball and uh, you know bands on a band shell, but also Star Trek costume contest. Oh, okay. What cool. did you see that was like super 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 interesting? Uh, lots of good, there was one lady who had a really nice, uh, monster maroon costume. She won one of the prizes. Did she uh, win for not sweating? Yeah. Good, good for you. <laughs> Seriously. Good for you, lady. And, uh, yeah. there was, there was a, speaking of not sweating, there was a group who showed up as Rhysians, uh, who were oh, in essentially, essentially bathing suits. So more good, good on you guys. <laughs> <laughs> that was smart. Lots of cute kids, a couple of like uh, you know, old school Klingons without without all the the prosthetics, which was probably another smart move. So, yeah. Definitely. Uh, all good. Uh I was thinking that if I wanted to, I probably could wear my uh pirate gear from last week, paint myself green and go as an Orion and still make it into the contest. <laughs> Yeah. Very bold. That's, that's a very bold decision. Um, exactly. Uh, so this episode. Oh, man. Where were you? On, where were you on the, uh, you know, on the spectrum of this episode? Very much enjoyed. Very much. Uh, I, I, I loved it. Um, and it really touched me on a very personal, emotional level. And I'll get I'll get into that in a little bit, maybe a little bit towards the end. But man, yeah, just so much fun flat out straight up fun and uh, you, you guys were talking with paul about you know what character you'd be what you know all the things just you know it just 
it 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 set my D D nerd heart happy to see a wizard and a sorcerer and a ranger and a fighter and uh what you know probably you know <laughs> your 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 crappy town master in uh in pike's character mm-hmm. <laughs> the npc or you know the good king character it, it was just just so much good stuff um i think i would probably if i were going to do it just for you know comfort and convenience sake i would probably want to be uh uh sorcerer spock uh i thought that was a really a really smart uh <laughs> and even character. looked good i mean he, yeah. he pulled that off Dead. oh man yeah. yeah and probably my favorite line reading of was his uh i think he was just like in one of the confrontations he was like He's bluffing, sir. <laughs> he, he doesn't do that, ma'am. <laughs> just just totally like nonchalantly just dropping that in there. That was great. Um, but yeah, and and the way that it was constructed as sort of like this fairy tale storybook thing, um where you know and it's from a child's perspective and they can do whatever they want to. So yeah, Ortegas gets to be the character who's a man in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, she can have a relationship with the, um, with the, with the forest ranger character who never actually meet in the book, because you know, that's the story that you want to tell. Right. And that's, that's lovely. Right. <laughs> that's it's almost kind of like her the story. You it's do like her you own holodeck adventures, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Just, um, just the just- idea that we don't, necessarily have to i mean it's it's not like you know oh this is you know to the to the degree of or to the to the extent of like well i i love the three indiana jones movies because we don't talk about the fourth one that we refuse to acknowledge but you don't have to you know necessarily take things uh that are presented to you either in fiction or in the real world the way that it's presented to you you we all have the the choice and the opportunity to you know see what it means to us and what it and how we want to take you know the the things the stories that are presented to us and we can choose to uh write our own endings if we if we choose to which is i mean a- Essentially, you know, with with D and D, and you know, with fantasy, and I mean, basically, yeah. it, it all like both. There are two trees that all of this stems from: Robert E. Howard and J.R.R. Tolkien. Right? You either have the high fantasy, or you have sword and sorcery. And from those two trees, a billion branches have you know have been born from those. Especially with Gary Gygax, and mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, with Gen Con like being up there in Geneva, Wisconsin. <laughs> you know, so yep. yeah, you know, this is this is high fantasy. And it's a high fantasy story as told by a young, a young girl who has been told this story before. And it's almost kind of like, you know, um, it's almost like Fred Savage at the very beginning of yeah. the Princess Bride saying, like, <laughs> is this a kissing story? Because maybe there wouldn't be any kissing in his story, you know, <laughs> or, yeah, or, or maybe he would want to see something done a different way because he's heard this story as told by Grandfather Columbo over and over and over and over again. <laughs> right. So that's that's. Um, that's where you take kind of like t- take ownership of yes, the, the story means something and it's very important, but then it becomes even more important because it becomes your own. 
Yeah. Right, it becomes yeah. a part of you. There you go. And yeah, as far as, you know, I'll just say that, yeah, as far as the emotional connection, definitely with the ending, um, you know, I, I wrote about this on, on the discord and I won't get into all the nitty gritty, but uh, you know, as someone who has had to say goodbye to, you know, probably the most important person in my life. Um, yeah, it's, it, it just perfectly encapsulated for me, the emotional experience of having, of having that kind of a situation and just, yeah, like, you know, like what you were discussing earlier with Brandon about how it's a very complicated set of emotions and you, you would think that it's going to be one way, but it's, it's completely different. And in terms of, you know, writing the ending that you want for me, and I know that uh, I, I think I've seen it uh, discussed where some people are sort of iffy on having adult Rikia come back at the end. But as someone who has gone through something very similar, for me, that is the storybook ending because that's, that's the ending that you want more than anything else is to be able to hear from that person and, and know that they're okay. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, everything's going to be fine. Uh, so the fact that he got that is just mind blowing to me. Cause that's, that's all you want to hear. <laughs> yeah. Right. Thank you, Alan, for sure. Yeah. With us. Yeah. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate you and, and appreciate you calling in. And, and um, we are at the uh, the end of our show. Uh, so that <laughs> can't, you know, end it, can't end it any better. Well, you know, here's the great thing about, <laughs> you know, you know, new Star Trek series when they, you know, when they are presented to us, you know, we're all going to interpret these episodes and each one of these series in a very different way where to either in externalize them or internalize them. But the most important thing is, is that we get a chance to be able to see how it accesses certain things about ourselves that we can talk about and share, right? That's, I think that's the beauty of great narrative. It's going to inspire us to be able to do something. It's going to give us the strength to be able to challenge ourselves, to be able to communicate and connect with what we're doing right now. Alan, I think oh, yeah. what you just said was absolutely beautiful. Yep. And Agreed. that's something that was able to be, you know, um, that you were able to communicate and connect with from this episode. That's what entertainment's supposed to do, right? That's what, yeah. that's what all of this is here for us. All of us is, you know, it gives us the opportunity to be and share the human experience like with each other. Um, so on that note, anything left to say, Char, about this episode or anything that's on your mind before we close out the show? Not particularly. We, we hit the fun stuff. We hit the serious stuff. I think we've connected to this episode on every level we needed to hit. All right, then. So here we are at the end of the show. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Thank you, everyone, for sharing um, your stories and being able to connect with, with us here at the show. Mission Log Live is produced by Rod and Barry Entertainment. Technical production on Mission Log and Mission Log Live by the Duke of Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from Roddenberry Podcasts. If you would like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Thank you, Char, uh, for being here with us this week. Appreciate you being able to do that for us. Hey, thanks for having me. It was a blast, as always. 
as always. And please remember, as Char said earlier in the show, we will be off next Monday night, July 4th. No show on July 4th. We will return to wrap up episodes 9 and 10 of Strange New Worlds with a double-length Mission Log Live on July 11th. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.